0: Alright, so, if you have a Bible with you, or if you have a device, I'd like you to turn to um, a place in the Psalms. I mentioned the Psalms earlier in the service, also you'll find it there on the, uh, on the overhead. And um, of the 150 Psalms, we're going to be focusing on Psalm 30, and then uh, we are going to have a video uh, this afternoon, hopefully... I don't know how it's all going to work out with our present system, if we can get that going or not, uh, but if it does work this afternoon, um, we're going to be considering a video based uh, by Pastor Winston Bosch on, I believe it's uh, Psalm 51 and the whole theme of forgiveness. So we're, we're kind of big in the Psalms uh, this morning. Psalm 30 is a psalm we're going to continue, uh, We're going to look at as we continue with uh, a thematic series, our bi-weekly thematic series on healthy attitudes that we should have as individual Christians, but also as a church, particularly Pathway Christian Church. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you remember that we looked at the attitude or the disposition of uh, transparency, of, of openness, and how we are to cultivate and ask the Lord for greater openness with Him, openness with each other, and openness and transparency with those people in the world who are in need of the gospel. Well, we're going to look at another attitude or disposition this morning, and that is the attitude or the, or the mindset and the heart set of joy, of joy, of Christian joy. And we find a wonderful example of that here from Psalm 30, so join with me if you would. Um, I want to begin with what we call the title or the superscription, and great, so as a reminder to the PowerPoint team, and I see it up there, that's great, whenever we are dealing with a psalm, make sure that you put the title or what we call the superscription on there because there are many times where it provides uh, a certain uh, historical or cultural context to help us understand the psalm. Now with that being said, there are sometimes when you read the psalms and you look at the title or the superscription, and it really is not really all that helpful, and that's the case with Psalm 30 here. We just have a psalm of David, at least we know who the author of this psalm is, under the inspiration of the Spirit, the very one who's written most of the psalms, that is David, King and Poet David, and then it says, a song at the dedication of the temple, literally in Hebrew, the dedication of the house. And this may refer to David's house, his palace, or the house of God, the temple. We're not sure which. But the point is, it's not all that helpful for us for Psalm 30. But hopefully as we go through the psalm, we're going to gain some understanding about the meaning of it apart from the superscription or the title. So join with me at verse 1. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from shale. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping, May tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Ever. This is, this is a, 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 a typical of many psalms, where the, the psalmist kind of begins on a dark note, but he ends on a light note, a note of dismay and hardship, but he ends with praise and thanksgiving and, and joy. And what I want to draw your attention to is, I'm not even going to say arguably, it is the most well-known verse of this whole psalm, and that is found in verse 5. We read, for his anger, that is, the Lord's anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but it says, joy comes with the morning. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I assume that you have. If you're walking with the Lord where you just, um, you go to bed with a heavy heart, it was maybe a bad day or it's been a bad week, but the Lord works in your heart over the night, and when you wake up in the morning, there's a different spirit. You're not heavy. I'm not saying that happens every time, but there are times where you're not heavy, and you actually experience that joy in the morning. Now, before we, we get into this uh, psalm together, I want to I wanna ask you all just to, and I want you to each individually think about this. And I ask you a very simple question, would those people who are closest to you, who know you best, say that you are a person who is characterized by joy? Now granted, you know, and I'll get back to this a little bit later on the sermon, our life is like this, right? We're all like this because we live in a fallen world, so we have highs and we have lows. We have times of, yes, um, great happiness and celebration, and there are times when we are brought very low. And, you know, people maybe don't like to have a pastor say this, but maybe you have at times in very low points maybe considered taking your life. But, but what I'm talking about is, is just generally speaking, not those low moments, but generally speaking, would people who are closest to you say, you know, so-and-so, their, their life is really marked by joy, Christian joy. I want you to think about that as we, we get into this psalm now, Psalm 30. Psalm 30 is, is known as um, really a thanksgiving psalm. And there are a number of thanksgiving psalms among the 150 psalms in the Bible. And oftentimes, with these thanksgiving psalms or these psalms of gratitude, um, the psalmist, and in this case it's David, but you have various authors of of psalms. But oftentimes, what a psalmist will do when he's he's offering thanks to God is he's, he's offering thanks to God because of some form of rescue, some form of deliverance. And that's actually the case here in Psalm 30, and what we see is that David, this great king and poet, is actually thanking God for delivering him from two things. One is a serious illness that was so serious that it brought David, apparently, to the verge of death, to the grave. So that's one, and then David goes on to thank the Lord and praise the Lord in this psalm for um, delivering him from the anger of the Lord Himself for apparently some sin that David had committed. So David, and and the point here, when I when I talk about deliverance from sin and God's anger, when I talk about deliverance from, from a very serious illness. That's, as you go through Psalm 30, that's not explicitly said, not clearly said, but it, it is alluded to, it is implied in the psalm. And once David is delivered of these two things, uh, David has a very, what we call, visceral reaction. It's a very gut-level reaction that is actually voiced with praise and thanksgiving, but also gives him a deep, deep sense of cheer, of joy. So let me explain that, okay? Let me me provide some ballast for that, some weight for what I just said. Take a look at verse 2. Here's the deliverance of David from a very serious illness. Verse 2, where we read, O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you, and what's the word that comes after that? You healed me. You healed me. You see, the implication is that David was experiencing something that the Lord healed him from. And it was very serious. Verse 3, O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. That is an Old Testament reference to the realm of the dead. And he says, you have restored to me life from among those who go down to the pit. Likely a reference to the grave. And so here again, David is not clear about what kind of illness he's facing. And this is not the only psalm that speaks about someone being saved from a serious illness whereby they give praise to God. David doesn't get into the specifics of this illness. All we know is that God has spared him from the grave, from death. And this provides a reaction in David that he describes here in this psalm. So we read in verse 4, he says, Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints. Saints meaning the holy ones of God, those who seek to serve the Lord. And give thanks to his holy name. Now, I want you to uh, draw attention uh, to that here. Um, Yeah, especially to verse 4. You may, If you have a Bible here, if you have a device, if you take a look at that, you will see perhaps that there may be uh, a different translation here. This is how it reads actually in the original language. Sing praises to the Lord, O you His holy ones, and give thanks to His holy... The word name there in the Hebrew is not used. But a word, zakhar, which means... Memory or remembrance. So, David is saying, Lord, you have spared me, you have spared my life, and I will give praise to your holy memory or your remembrance. So, what is he alluding to here? I think what he's alluding to here is saying, and it's something that we experience in the midst of our own down times, where David is saying, Lord, in my down time, in fact, when I was facing very, very near death itself and the grave, Lord, you you remembered me. You remembered me. And sometimes when we go through these dark pits, we, we, we you know, our, our theology tells us one thing, that God never forgets us, and God always watches over us, and the providential hand of God is always at work in our lives, and the good times and the bad. That's our theology. But experientially, sometimes emotionally, we, we get to a very low point. It's like, man, Lord, don't you see? Lord, don't you care? Do you even remember me? That's how we feel. David no doubt felt that as well. But when the Lord delivered him, he said, you know what, Lord? You have not forgotten me. You have not. And then he goes on to say, oh, back to verse 4, one more thing I forgot to mention. He says, give thanks to the Lord's holy remembrance. But I want you to notice, look verse 4 carefully again. It says, give thanks to the Lord.'" Literally, it, it kind of the, the idea is lift up your hands, lift up your hands in praise to the Lord for his holy remembrance. And this is, this is something that we need to understand um, about the Psalms, it, how, how often the, the Psalms, when it talks about the praise that God's people give to the Lord, it's a very bodily praise. And you ever notice that um, if you get around and you do any traveling or you intermingle with other Christians from other backgrounds, you ever notice how bodily they are in their praise and their joy before the Lord and their worship before the Lord? You know, many of us, not all of us, but many of us come from kind of Northern European background. We're accustomed, whether in our praise or worship, we're pretty staid in many ways. It's not to say our hearts are not knit to the Lord, I'm not saying that, but there are many times where we don't follow the lead of the Psalms or people in the Mediterranean region or people where you, you, you know how it goes in Africa, they're very expressive and they're using their hands and they're using their voices in every way. There's, there's a, In a sense, in our circles, there's a disembodied praise. But when you look at the Bible and you look at people from other cultures, they're lifting their hands in praise to the Lord and they're thanking him and they're expressing joy to him for all the blessings that they have experienced. This is what David is getting at here. Express it to the Lord. Hold out your hands and give thanks to the Lord. Why? For his anger. And that's now alluding possibly to a a certain sin or sins that people commit against the Lord that bring about some kind of temporal anger upon the Lord to draw them back to himself. And he says, for his anger, the Lord's anger, though, is, and this is why we give thanks bodily to the Lord, his anger doesn't last forever. His anger is literally in the Hebrew, uh, it lasts about as long as a wink of an eye. Because look at me. I'm winking at you. How long does a wink last? Just like that. And that's the way it is with the Lord's anger for the child of God. It's not everlasting. Why? Because that anger has been brought upon Christ. The anger's momentary to draw us back to himself. He goes on to say, and his favor is for a lifetime. Literally, his favor is life. His favor is life itself. And then finally he says in verse 5, this is what we remember about the psalm. Weeping may tarry, it may occur for just the night, but what happens in the morning? Joy comes with the morning." And again, the original language gives us the impression that this is not just, well, joy in my heart. This is a joy, that, again, that is expressed bodily by means of the voice. It's like a, it's like a shrill sound. Woo! You know, it's like, so we get David with his hands lifted up. We get joy, the shrill of joy in the morning, knowing that God has spared him. So when, my point is, when we, when we deal with the original language and we deal especially with verses 4 and 5, What we're left with is this. David is expressing great joy before the Lord for for these two things, for forgiveness and for life. That God's anger has turned into acceptance and death has turned into life and the expression that David gives is joy. Gladness before the Lord. A similar verse is found in verse 11 where he says, You have turned for me my mourning actually into dancing, and you have loosed my sackcloth. Sackcloth was worn by God's people in the Old Testament as a sign of repentance for sin. But Lord, you have clothed me with acceptance, and you have clothed me with gladness. My friends, when a, when a person becomes a Christian, when a person is found in Christ by means of repentance and faith, there, there is a cheer and there is a joy that accompanies that. And have you ever noticed in the Bible how often there are, are references Many, many references to joy, and particularly the joy that comes from those who have been touched by the grace of God in Christ. There's joy. There's joy. Let me give you a few examples of that. We need time for the PowerPoints. Can you get to that in just a moment? Why don't you put uh, up the Psalms there? All right, first of all, before we get to the Psalms, I'm going to get to, uh, we're going to get to that in just a moment. Acts 8, go back to Acts 8.39, okay. Now, this is all in the context of Acts chapter 8. If you know the book of Acts, it's about the Ethiopian eunuch, remember? And there's an evangelist named Philip who meets this, this um, African man from Ethiopia, but actually he's a Jew and he's on the way to the temple. And Peter meets up with him, and Peter begins to talk with him about the gospel. And particularly about the gospels is contained in Isaiah 53, which is the most extensive prophecy in all of the Bible regarding the Christ in the most detailed. And he shares Christ with him through that passage. And the Ethiopian in heart is changed and he's drawn to Christ. And, and he confesses Christ, and then he says, what prevents me from being baptized? So they're by water, and Peter baptizes him, and then what happens after the baptism? And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, that is, the Ethiopian eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way, what, with a glum face? No, rejoicing, why? Because he was given freedom, and he was given life. Go to the next passage, if you would. Luke 15, 10. It's not only those who've been converted to Christ that experience joy, but the Bible says that even the angels themselves experience joy. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One more passage, if you would. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man finds. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has in order to buy the field. The idea is that when you come into contact with Christ and you become a part of his kingdom with all the benefits that come with that and you submit yourself to the rule of Christ, when you come into contact with those things, it's like coming into contact with the most wonderful beautiful treasure in the world. And it's like a man who goes into a field and he discovers that treasure, and what he does is with great joy he sells everything that he has in order to buy that field and that treasure. But he does it with joy. Notice this. So the point is, is that when you look at the Scriptures, when you look at the Bible, when people come into contact with the presence of Christ and they become united to Christ by means of repentance and faith, The natural result is not glumness, but it is joy. Many of us are familiar with the uh, well-known writer C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was an ardent atheist for many years, but when by the grace of God he came to Christ and became a Christian, he wrote about that conversion experience in a book, and maybe some of you have read it, entitled simply, Surprised by Joy. And when you read that book, there's an indication from C.S. Lewis that he thought, well, listen, if I take on religion, if I take on Christianity, well, then I'm going to lose that joy because don't you know, then, religious people are sober people. They're serious people. And he said, I was surprised that when God's grace worked in my life and brought me to Christ, I experienced joy, joy. Listen, even Jesus experienced joy. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despised the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of God with joy. Though it brought pain to him, ultimate joy drove Jesus to the cross because he knew that in going to the cross and fulfilling the mission of his father, he would bring joy to many, and that brought joy to him. Joy. The psalms oftentimes also speak of joy. I think of the kingship psalms of Psalm 95 to 100. Um, put the psalms on there if you would. Psalm 95 verses 1 and 2. O come let us sing to the Lord and let us make a what? A joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. And let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. And let us make a joyful noise with songs of praise. One more. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing and know that the Lord, he is God. See that? Joy, joy, gladness, rejoicing. Of course, joy is one of the preeminent fruits of the Spirit, right? Right? Some kids, when you you go to school, if you go to a Christian school, very early on, you learn about the fruits of the Spirit. What are the first three? Love, joy, peace. The kingdom of God is associated with the spirit of joy. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans that the, the, the kingdom of God does not consist of eating and drinking, and the whole context there is in the context of legalism. The Christian faith is not first and foremost about procedures and rules. Eat this, don't eat that. Drink this, don't drink that. T- you can touch this, but don't touch that. No, 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 no. He says the kingdom of God consists of peace and righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy. Joy. Joy with all of what the Bible says about joy and what David says in this psalm about joy coming in the morning. Sometimes, is, is, if, we, is, if I can just step back here for just a moment, sometimes, you know, you, and, and I, um, I grew up in a Christian family and I, and I grew up in a church and I, I noticed this when I was a little kid. I noticed that sometimes I would I would come to church, or there was just a person I knew outside of church, and he was just like this. It's like as a kid I remember thinking, "What's up with that?" And 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 sometimes sometimes we have that even today, you know. It's just like, and I'll, I'll just uh, mention one other thing. You know, I, I've, I've pat, like you know, I've passed a number of churches, like what, four or five, and there was always in every church some individual that was just I call him sullen, not joyful, sullen. And I thought to myself, is that is, is that is that what it means to be a conservative? It's like, why is that? Why is it? And you think about it. Sometimes it's just a, people. People say this. Well, you know, that's just. And I've heard this in the ministry many times. Oh, that's just so-and-so. so and so. So, that's an answer. That's just so and so. In other words, well, that's just their who, that's just who they are. That's who their personality. That's what their personality is. Well, maybe it shouldn't be their personality. Well, that's their personality. Or maybe maybe it was their upbringing. Maybe they had a hard upbringing. Or maybe it's just the type of church that they were a part of, or whatever, and they just put up with that. We shouldn't put up with that. Especially, I mean, if you're going to take this scripture seriously, we should be a people of joy. A people of exuberance regarding the things of the Lord. Right? A people of joy. Listen, um, if, if, you, if you have been touched by the grace of God, and if you have not only been touched by the grace of God, but you have been bought by the blood of Christ, and if you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, then how can you not be joyful? How can you not be joyful? And how, 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 can, how can sullenness even be healthy? Even the book of Proverbs says that a joyful heart is what? You know that one? Good medicine, a cheerful heart. It's like a continual feast, but sullenness dries up the bones. It says. The obvious answer is we should be a people of joy. Sometimes people will say, "Well, what, is, what does that really mean to be a joy, to be a joyful person? What what is, what is joy really?" And it reminds me of a, 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 a U.S. congressman who was was asked a question during a congressional session dealing with the issue of pornography and what laws to pass regarding pornography. And someone kind of cornered the congressman who was talking at the point. He said, congressman, how do you even define pornography? And he said, I don't know if I can define it, but I sure know it when I see it. I know it when I see it. And so, too, you can see a spirit of joy as well in a person. Now, I want to add this one final thing. That doesn't mean as God's people that we should that we never can experience sadness or uh, a serious look on our face, you know. Um, One of the the Apostle Paul's encouragements to Timothy is that he be sober. And that that means that, you know, don't have a drink. He's being, take, take your ministry seriously. So we at times do need to be serious. And there are times when we are sad. And the reality is there are some people who struggle with that. There are some people maybe because of something chemically going on or maybe something that they're struggling with where they really would love to be happy and they would love to be joyful, but they, they struggle with emotional issues or they struggle with depression. And that, that is understandable, okay? That is understandable, um, you know? But, and, and, and even, by the way, even David experienced that. When you take a look at Psalm 30 and you look at the Psalms, there are times when David experiences dismay. There are times when he experiences sorrow. There's times where he is very, very sad, and in this psalm, he cries out to the Lord for mercy. So even, among, even with David, who talks about joy and exuberance and rejoicing, he says at the same time, so there are sometimes uh, times of profound sadness, and we see that in the book of Ecclesiastes where it says there's a time for this and there's a time for that. There's a time for weeping, there's a time for laughter. There's a time for mourning, and there's a time for dancing. So the Bible does recognize that we go through these periods in our life, and David experienced that also in this psalm. But he didn't allow it to rule his life. And he recognized, even in the midst of great difficulty, what he had in the Lord and ultimately what he had in the Messiah to come. And that was freedom and life, and he expresses that before the Lord. And it's something that we should express before the Lord as well, the blessings of the Lord in that regard. So let it be that we be a people of of joy and let it be let it be seen. Let it be seen in our facial expressions, let it be seen in the way that we relate to each other, let it be seen in how we function with each other, relate to each other before worship, after worship, during worship, and how we worship, that we are known as a people of joy. So that when people come to Pathway, they may say, you know what? That Pathway Church is a different church. It's a happy church. It's a hopeful church, and it's a joyful church. It's a joyful church. And finally, this, very quickly. Why should we be a joyful people? Really, ultimately, why should we be a joyful people? And You say, well, think about all the scriptures that were brought out. Of course, we're supposed to be a joyful people. But fundamentally, why should we be a joyful people? And the answer, very simply, to that is is because because of everything that we have in Christ. Because of Christ. Think of what we have. We have forgiveness. We don't have judgment. We have acceptance with the Lord, reconciliation, not anger. We have not death, but we have life. We have life in Christ. So cheer up, cheer up. And by the way, this is not simply to say, okay, um, this is being preached because, well, the pastor thinks we're all glum. I don't think that. This is something for every church. And everybody to consider the joy of the Lord that we have in Christ. And so, so, in the end, cheer up. There was a man named Jack Miller who put it like this. He said, he said three things. He said, first of all, cheer up. You're far worse than you think you are. Cheer up. You're far more loved in Christ than you can ever imagine. Finally, cheer up. Christ has given us a spirit. And that spirit is not done with us yet. And so, after reading Psalm 130 and considering some of the matters of Psalm 30 and other places, of the Bible, if you honestly are here this morning and you have not given your life to Christ, I can guarantee that the joy that we're talking about this morning, you really, really don't understand and ultimately you don't experience. I'm not talking about being happy here and there. I'm talking about a deep-seated and expressed joy for knowing who Jesus is and what he has done for you. And if you're missing out on that, that is a sad thing. It is a sad thing. But if you do say that you know Christ and you've known him for many years, but you struggle with this general expression of joy in your life, then you say, what, what, what do I do? What do I do? You know, the answer is very simple. The answer for the Christian as well as the non-Christian is the same. It's just ask. Ask. You know, Jesus, I leave you with this. Jesus says this. He says, um, you do not have because you don't ask. Ask, and it will be given to you so that your joy even in the midst of hardship, your joy will be full, your joy will be full. And that's the promise of the Lord coming from Jesus himself. So let it be said, as we walk through life, even in the midst of the valleys, and as we worship as a church, and we interact with each other as a church, may we be a people known as a people like the psalmist, a people who say, there are difficulties in my life, and they do happen for a time, but I know and I experience that joy, joy comes in the morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for giving Jesus to us, and we thank you for all the benefits that we have in and through him. It's true, Lord, in Christ you have given us forgiveness, in Christ you have given us acceptance, in and through Christ. We are reconciled to you. Lord, through Jesus Christ, indeed, we have truth and we have life. And Father, how can we not express that joy to you for all that we have? And so we praise you for that, O God. And we pray, O Holy Spirit, that that fruit of the Spirit, namely joy, would grow in us and be expressed in us and that, Lord, we may experience it not only for our own benefit, but the benefit of others with whom we interact. And above all, O oh Lord, for your benefit, for your glory. Grant that, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.